Well, this morning, uh, we're going to be uh, looking at a Psalm of David, Psalm 51. If you'd like to join me in turning there, uh, it'll also be up on the screen in just a moment. But uh, uh, Psalm 51, a Psalm of David, and um, this is a Psalm that comes about after David has been involved in, in sin, and, and he knows that he's been involved in sin. Um, in, in fact, the, the psalm itself and just the, uh, the subtitle up there it is, uh, To the chief musician, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came unto him after he had gone into Bathsheba. And so David is in the midst of, of turmoil because he's out of fellowship with God. And uh, that's, that's where we catch him here in this moment in Psalm 51 as, as he writes this psalm. So if you'd read along with me, um, just follow along with me as I read it aloud. Um, psalm 51, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou, hast, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of, my, of thy salvation. Uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation. And my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desireth not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then shall they offer bullocks upon the offer, thine altar. Lord, bless the reading of his word this morning. Um, as we, we consider this psalm, uh, this, this is clearly one that is a, a psalm of confession. And um, we, we get a, an inside view of somebody who is trying to get right with God. Right? It, it is a look-in-the-heart view of somebody who is trying to get on the same page with God. And so that, that's what we're, we're looking at. If, if you can imagine having a, uh, you know, one of the things is that, that's real is that we, when we look at one another, we don't see each other's hearts, right? We, we don't see what's really going on inside. Um, we, we may have an idea, okay, they're upset or they're happy by expressions on the face, uh, but, but what's going on the inside is just a guess. Right? We're, we're just guessing what's happening in the, in the hearts or inside other people. Uh, but in this case, we have David, and, and he, is, he is laying out for us what's going on on the inside. He has is, he is given us a view of what's inside the heart, and in particular, this is the heart of a man who is seeking to get right with God. 
that, that's what's going on. And, and, and it is just a man bearing his heart after failure, after sin, after breaking his fellowship with God. And so this is a psalm of confession. The other thing is it's a psalm of the king. This isn't just any man. This is the king of Israel. And so we're, we're looking in the heart of, of a leader. Uh, he is someone who's a leader in, in terms of the politics of the nation. He's a spiritual leader as well in terms of his walk with God and, and has been one who's been set up as, as an example before others because of his spiritual walk with God. He's even a musical leader, right? Uh, people knew David for his talent and musical talent. It, it's a psalm which uh, we can identify with because we also fail. We also fall short. And, and it's one that, that prepares our, our hearts as we, we consider um, what, what David is going through. And, and we're going to focus this morning on one particular statement of this prayer as he cries out to God. And, and that's in verse 12. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. And, and so here, here is David pouring out his heart and the beginning of that verse, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, teaches us certain things about what is going on on the inside of David. And, and so we're, we're going to consider this aspect of the, the, the joy of God's salvation, and the life of David today. Now, the first aspect is just the fact that David had known the joy of salvation. Right? David is a believer. He knows his God. Um, he, he knows who his God is, but he's out of fellowship with him right now. And the fact that, that this verse even says restore means that it's coming back to what was previously there. Right? It, it, it existed at some time in the past. Uh, he possessed it before. And, and so this wouldn't be the, the first time as, as David seeks out the joy of God's salvation. Th this isn't somehow that, that he, is, he, he is, uh, wants to experience this for the first time. He's known it. He's known what that joy feels like. He, he understands. And as we consider uh, the various psalms that David wrote, we know that that's present because we've seen him declare it before. I'll give you just a, a few examples of the joy of God's salvation being poured forth from out of David's heart. In Psalm 9, verse 1, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. Psalm 21, verse 1, we, we see here, The king shall joy in thy strength, O Lord, and in thy salvation. How greatly shall he rejoice. Who's that king? That's David. He's already, he's done this before. He has rejoiced in the joy of God's salvation. Psalm 23, verse 5, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. He knows what fellowship with God is like. He's had that before. He's experienced that before. Psalm 34, verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. He knows what it means to praise God. You know, there, there is a good reason for David to experience the joy of God's salvation and the fact that he has experienced it before. There's a good reason for that, and, and that is in part is because he understands the joy of forgiveness. He knows what it means to have had his sins forgiven before a holy God. He, he understands that fact because, because he has looked forward to, to God's Messiah 
for salvation, knowing that God alone can save. He understands that. He, he knows the joy of assurance that he will be with God for all eternity. He's confident in that. And, and, and he, he knows the joy of the presence of the Lord because he's walked with him before. He's walked in fellowship with him before. He, he knows the joy of finding answers in the difficulties of life because God has instructed him and helped him in various ways throughout his life. And, and, and he, he understands that. And the fact remains that for us today, that joy is available, too, if we have never experienced that. It's available through the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we talk about joy, we're not talking about just mere happiness, right? I'm happy over something, or something happened to me, or I had a good day, or whatever. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a change that happens that is totally separate from any circumstance you find yourself in. You know, you, you want to get a smile on my face? You know, somebody shows up with a cup of coffee. Hey, <laughs> that's good. Right? I mean, I mean, that's all it takes, right? What is that? that that's just happy, right? I, I'm just happy, happy to see that. That's a great thing, you know? You want to get, get a smile on my face? Kansas City Chiefs win their football game. I'm happy, right? I mean, that, that's all it takes. It doesn't take much to be happy. But, but joy is different right? Joy, joy has, is regardless of circumstance. Joy is something that, that where, where God works and brings about a change in a life. And you can have joy whether or not you have coffee. And you can have joy whether or not your team wins the game. And it, it doesn't change depending upon circumstance. And it comes only through Jesus. See, joy comes because we have a Savior who died on the cross for the sins of the world. And me, my sinful self, who, who was born separated from God, I can have eternal life by looking to that glorious Savior and saying, Jesus, thank you for paying for my sins. Thank you for paying for my sins so that by believing in you, I, I know that, that my sins are, are covered. That that there is nothing between me and God. That no longer, when he looks at me, does he see just my sinfulness. Instead, he sees your righteousness because you're my Savior. And see, when we believe in Jesus, when we do that, we, we have confidence in, in, in what is ahead. We have joy because regardless of what comes, I have a Savior who loved me and died for me, and I'm going to spend eternity with him. So it doesn't matter if my day doesn't go quite how I'd planned or I don't get my coffee or the sports team doesn't win or somebody's mean to me at work or my boss uh, seems to be unfair to me or punishing me in some way that, that I didn't expect or he gives me somebody else's work to do and they should have done it. All of those things that are upsetting to us in the course of any given day. My head hurts, my back hurts, fill in the list, right? None of those things steal our joy we have joy in Jesus Christ. And yet, how does that come? That comes only through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That, that's how it comes. And we know that David had known the joy of salvation. He's had it before. He's had the joy that came. But it seems that something has changed. David had lost the joy of his salvation Restore indicates the idea that somehow he has lost this joy. 
What, what would cause that sensation? Now, let's be clear here. David has not lost his salvation, right? But in the midst of, of something that, that, that should be totally separate from circumstance, in a relationship with God the Father, something has changed. Something has brought gloom into his life where he should be glorying in the salvation that he has in God. And, and things that before were just great blessings now are burdens to him. Now, in some way we look at this and we say, boy, that sounds kind of discouraging, right? Uh, here is David, and if he's going through this, that sounds kind of discouraging. But I, I want you to consider it this way. It ought to be encouraging, because if you're a believer, you've probably gone through those valleys at some point in your life. You've probably experienced that time where the beauty of Jesus just doesn't shine as brightly in your heart as it once did. You've probably gone through those times where you've sinned and you say, boy, God, where are you at right now? Not because he's left us, but because we've left him. You've probably experienced something like this. And when that happens, things that were a blessing before, coming to serve the Lord at church, Become, becomes a burden. Oh, I have to do that again? Th things that were an encouragement. Let, let's sing songs and praises to God. Amen? And uh, Another song like that. I have to stand up now or sit down? I mean, you, you go through those things, right? You go through those circumstances. Th things that where, where your heart is just overcome with, with song, right? You're used to singing in the shower. And all of a sudden, you're just silent. Pouting. Instead of praising. Yeah, th th those, those things happen and those circumstances are there. And how did David get there? Well, he sinned against the holy God. He drew, grew cold in his heart. He should have been out on the battlefield with all of his troops. Instead, he's moping back in the palace, staying at home, indulging himself. And, and, and he looks down and he sees Bathsheba bathing. And the lust of his heart overcomes and he commits adultery. He sins against God. Nathan the prophet confronts him. And the affair with Bathsheba, his sin against the holy God, has robbed him of the joy that comes from walking in fellowship with God. The song that was in his heart is gone. David had no problem remembering a better day when it wasn't like that. He had his memory of, of what it was like to walk with, with God. And for you this morning, you may look back and say, you know, there was a better day as well. I've lost some of that joy of my salvation. Not because somehow I'm not a believer anymore, but rather because I'm just not walking as closely with the Lord as I once did. You know, you may be sitting here like David this morning in that type of moment or that type of position. But there's hope, because hopefully, like David, you may be in the position where you, too, long to have that joy of your salvation restored. The, the restore part of what we looked at was, was part of David's prayer saying, I want back what I've lost, right? What, what before I had, what now is gone, I want that back again. 
And David cries out and says, God, would you give me that joy back? Would you give me that joy back? So what, what is the road back? What, what does that look like? Part of that is remembering it, right? Remembering how precious salvation is. Remembering that first love. We, we could say perhaps that's the first step. No, knowing that God is holy and he is wonderful and that he loves me and cares for me and that he sent his son to die on the cross for my sins. Well, that, those moments when we don't have that joy, right? The, those thoughts tend to be far from our mind. They, they tend to be far out of the way. Thinking of how good our Savior is. Someone who loved me so much he would lay down his life for me. It's a pretty good thought to have in your mind, isn't it? Pretty good thought to think about. Not only that, he's the God of the universe. And he'd do that for me. What is that remembering? We've had recent reminders of that just with Easter here, recently passing by, as we think about our Savior who was willing to shed his blood to die on the cross for our sins and who rose again the third day, showing that he had power over death, that his perfect sacrifice was accepted by God the Father, and that by believing in him we can have eternal life. We had a great reminder of that. What is it? That's remembering, right? That's remembering, and that's something that we need to do if we find that we're in this valley, so to speak, in our Christian walk. Next step in that road is one of confession. We read the psalm, but one of the things that happened in the midst of this is David dealt with the issue, right? He dealt with his sin. And he called it out before God, against thee and thee only have I sinned. We've looked at this song in more detail in the past. We're really focusing on just this portion today. But, but this aspect of confession... I. I've sinned against the holy God, right? I, I have committed a transgression against him. And, and as, as terrible as the sin was, and all sin is terrible, David understood, oh, I have not just sinned against Bathsheba and Uriah and my troops and my nation, but I've sinned first and foremost against the holy God, the one willing to die on the cross for my sins. So that's a, that's a, a position where, where we humble ourselves. We're willing to say, I did something wrong. It wasn't right. And God told me what to do. He has declared what should be done. And I rebelled against him. And so confession just means to say the same thing. God, what you called terrible, and before I said, no, it's okay for me to do, Guess what? I'm going to say the same thing as you now. It was terrible to do. And you were right. And you are God. And I will trust you and I will believe in you. And I will seek to follow you. Would you forgive me? Would you forgive me, my sin? I don't want to go that way anymore. I want to walk with you. I want to walk under your authority. David remembered his first love. He confessed his sin before God. But, but he understood that the heart of this going forward was one of faith. 
right? He, he believed. And that had to do with the very nature and character of God. It had to do with, with what he is like. And part of that faith is a recognition that the gospel that he believed in, that, that God would forgive him of his sins, that, that that Messiah who would one day come and save the nation from their sins, that, that David, in considering that, knew that he had a God who forgives. That there was a path forward, and he believed it. In other words, what God said, he said, I, I believe that, not just in regard to how terrible my sin was, but I believe it in terms of the path forward together. Demonstrated faith. question for us is if we don't have that joy today, do we long for it to be restored like David did? Do we long for that joy of walking in fellowship with God? It's a great thing to know that, that we can have it, that it's available for us. And as we look upon an example like David's, it's not, oh, we're better than him, right? It's, wow, look how good God was through that and in that circumstance as David walked through that path. And guess what? There's hope for me too. Right? If, if David could go through all that and God forgives him in the midst of it, here is a practical example of the working of God in the life of an individual. And guess what? He, he, he still works in lives today. And he can work in my life. And if I'm not walking in fellowship with him, I, I can remember what he's done for me. I can confess my sins and, and I can have faith that I'm forgiven confidence that I'm walking in fellowship with him again. That's what God would have for us. Psalm 32 uh, provides for us a, another view of David. So we see what happened in his life, and Psalm 32, we, we could say it this way, is a, another view of the same man. It's a psalm of David, masculine. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered, Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me, my moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Selah. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. And thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Selah. For this shall every one that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Selah. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go, I will guide thee with mine eye. Be ye not as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy all ye that are upright in heart. This example is a man who has experienced the joy of God's salvation once again. Blessed is the man whose transgression, transgression is forgiven. 
Right? That's, a, that's a wonderful statement. And are we grateful that we have a God who forgives transgressions? You know, I, the, the reality is, okay, although I would wish that I would never sin, right? The fact is we're all sinners. And, and we understand that reality today as we go through that. But isn't it great that Jesus didn't just forgive our sins prior to salvation, but that by believing in him, we could have confidence that when I transgress against my God again, because I'm not perfect, the, the forgiveness of Jesus Christ is there. It didn't somehow disappear. It's there. Uh, you know, it, it, in some ways, right, before I was a believer, I considered my sin, and, and I, I, I didn't really... You know, there were things that you did that was wrong, but you knew it was wrong because you just weren't supposed to do it. Mommy and Daddy said no, right? I mean, that kind of thing growing up, right? Your, your teacher said not to do this, and you do it anyway. Whatever it is, right? We, we understood the, those effects, and it was like, oh, I upset my parents, or oh, I upset my teacher. But something changed, right? When, when I got saved, and all of a sudden when I sinned, it's, oh, I sinned against that holy God who died for me. I sinned against the one who shed his own blood for me. And, and the weight of sin became heavier. And I, I, I felt it to a degree, right, as, as I was coming to Christ, that I need to have my sins forgiven. But the full weight and understanding of sin, I'm not sure that I fully understand it today, but I know that it was greater once I was a believer. Because I knew the God I had offended. <laughs> I knew the one that I was now walking with, how perfect and pure and holy and loving he was. And, boy, I'm thankful for my parents, but, you know, they're sinners too. <laughs> A couple of those things I did against them in the moment, I thought, well, maybe they deserve that back. You know, I mean, you, you, that's how you are in the flesh, right? I mean, that's, that's the reality. But what can you say against God? Nothing at all. How can you justify it? Sinning against the Holy God? You can't. He's so wonderful. And, and I don't know about for you, but for me, the weight of my sin became heavier in a sense once I was a believer because I understood its consequence. You know what that'll do? That'll steal your joy. That'll steal the joy of your salvation. And, and I think David experienced that. He knew his God. It's a man after his own heart. And, and, and he, he understood how heavy this sin was. And far too often, what do we do when we're in that circumstance? We run from the one who can restore our joy. We run from God himself, just like Adam and Eve in the garden. Right? Adam and Eve sin. What do they do? They go and hide themselves from God. Was well, that the answer to sin? The, that's the opposite of the answer to sin. What, do we, what should we do when we sin? We want to run to the one who grants forgiveness, who stands ready to forgive, even though our offense is against him. Don't hide in shame today. If there's something between you and God, if there's something in your relationship, if, if that joy is just not there, if that fellowship's not there, run to him. Question for you: This is if if you have never experienced that joy of salvation to begin with. We we've went through it a couple times this morning, but but the answer is simple: 
that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, that he shed his own blood as payment for your sin. In other words, he died so that you don't have to. He paid its penalty for you. You see, your sin comes with a cost. There is a payment, a judgment that will be demanded of it, and that's death. And either you can pay for that, or you can look to Jesus and say, I'll take his death instead of mine. I'd like this applied. And I want Jesus as my Savior. You see, if you've done that, you understand the weight of sin. And that it's separating you from God. And that through Jesus, you can have eternal life. You see, if you've never done that, you don't fully understand what we're talking about because you've never experienced the joy of God's salvation. But you can by simply believing in Jesus. If you believe in him, your sins will be forgiven. It's just that simple. You will experience the joy of his salvation. You will know that you'll spend eternity with him. Reminder for the rest of us is that we're walking out of fellowship with God. There is joy available. It can be restored. And it comes by simply confessing your sins to God. As you confess them and forsake them, he forgive, you, you recognize his forgiveness in your life. You will be forgiven and you can have confidence that you walk in fellowship with him. It's just that simple. It truly is. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for your word. Father, we are grateful for the word of God which makes clear the steps we're to take in following you. So, Father, we thank you that you've not left us alone, that you've not left us without a plan. And, Father, we thank you that, that you've not placed us in a place where we uh, somehow are just there throwing up our hands saying, what do I do now? But, but that you've given us answers in your word. So, Father, we pray that today you would help us to take that next right step. Father, I pray for those today who have never put their faith in Jesus Christ to save them, who've never believed, that today would be the day in which they experience that joy of salvation, of your salvation for the first time. Pray, Father, that today would be the day that they believe. Father, for others today, as, as they recognize that perhaps they're out of fellowship with you, that they've lost that joy of their salvation, Pray that today would be the day in which that's restored. Father, as we declare these things to you, as we seek your face today, we know that you have that power. We, we are not going before a God who is impotent, but Father, we know that you have the power to change our hearts and minds, to change our lives. So, Father, we just beg of you to work today. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to give you a chance to respond today. If you would, I'm not going to call anybody out, but I, I want to pray for you. If you would say that I, I've never put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ to save me before today, but today I am, right now. Pastor, would you just pray for me? I, I believe in Jesus. I'm trusting him for my salvation. Amen. Amen. If you would say, another question today, if you would say, I am 
dealing with some things, Pastor. And that joy of God's salvation, I've had it, but I want it restored. And I still have some things I need to deal with. And I'm going to deal with them. Some may have to go talk to somebody else. That's okay. But, Father, uh, but, but if you would just say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Amen. Just slip up your hand. Any other hands? Amen. Heavenly Father, I pray for those who are making these decisions today. Father, I thank you for this one who is trusting in Jesus for salvation. I thank you for others, Father, who want that joy of their salvation restored and are willing to take these next steps. Father, I pray that you would give them an abundance of grace. Father, have others come alongside and encourage them. Father, I pray that, pray that you would also, uh, if there's somebody that they'll be speaking to, prepare the heart of that one that they'll be going to. Father, I pray that the joy of your salvation would be restored in every heart and life here today as we seek to take the next right step that you have for us. We are just grateful for what you're doing and how you're working. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.